Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the CFB 365 podcast. My name is Don Cowan Crowley. I'm joined by my co-host, Anthony Hazan and Marty Leap. Uh, back at it for week two of the college football season. And it's, uh, it's not as fun as last week. It's a little bit of a trap week, as you could uh, say. Not many big-time games and a lot of uh, Power 5 versus FCS and Power 5 versus uh, G5 games here this week. Uh, but either way, here to preview week two of the season. And I guess before we get into that, guys, uh, there was two games in week one that we did not get to cover. Uh, Recap-wise, that we get, I guess we should briefly mention, on Sunday night we had Notre Dame ver- versus Florida State. And on Monday we had Ole Miss versus Louisville. Uh, Anthony, any thoughts on either one of those games? And then Marty, uh, any of your thoughts? Yeah, um, I have to. I have to comment on the Notre Dame Florida State game just because Florida State impressed me. Um, they played way better than I thought they would. Uh, they were in that. Obviously, it was an overtime game. They were in it till the very end. They even pulled a little mini comeback at the end to even get it to overtime. Yeah, they missed a field goal. Notre Dame made their field goal. That's the difference between a, a good and an average team in the situation. But um, this Florida State team, to me, takes a step up when Mackenzie Milton is at quarterback, and I think this was a great test for him. And uh, I think that this team has the right coach in Mike Norvell finally after five years of having the wrong coach. Uh, I think they finally got the higher right, and um, I think we're slowly going to start to see Florida State climb back up, and I think this could be one of those games where we look back, even though they lost, and say that was the game that Florida State's program took a turning point for the better. Marty? Yeah, I agree. Florida State, um, while they lost the game, you know, not that anyone wants to be for moral victories ever, but if there ever was one, it was for Florida State. Um, you know, to anyone out there who's a pro wrestling fan, to go with the pro wrestling analogy here, sometimes you can get over, meaning you, you or you go over, meaning you won the match, but you don't get over, meaning you kind of starred and shined. And I feel like that's where Florida State was at. Florida State didn't go over, but they got over because they proved a lot. And they showed that this team has made big strides at Florida Norvell. I agree with what you said, Anthony, about Mackenzie Milton. Big boost of confidence, just energy, everything in the arm of that offense when he came into the game. I'm very curious to see how the rest of the season goes for the Seminoles. Um, you know, I, I think a big test for Florida State will be coming out and proving this was not just a one-game fluke. I think we've seen a lot of that out of them in the last three, four, five years. They have the one game last year was the North Carolina game where they come out and look awesome and struggle the rest of the season. But I do think Norvell, I have felt since he was hired that Norvell is a guy who can get them turned around. And, excuse me, Sunday night was just the latest example of that. I do think Florida State is definitely a program trajecting upward. Yeah, I have to agree with both of you there. Uh, Marty, you you put it greatly with the wrestling. Uh, uh, analogy there uh and i guess uh really my biggest takeaway was it was just really great to see mckenzie milton on the field again uh for florida state what a story that was almost brought the Seminoles all the way back in that game uh would have been a hell of a story would have been uh, a hollywood type uh story but uh it wasn't meant to be there but uh yeah both agree with what you guys said there about florida state really um notre dame will see uh how they go from here they look like a team that I think is very much beatable this year, but uh, I think they're—I I still think they're probably one of the top uh, ten teams in the country as we sit right now. Um, 
And then Ole Miss versus Louisville. For me, the big story there was Matt Corral, I think, is making an argument of being the number one quarterback in the entire country. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, heading this season, I've been a big Matt Corral, Corral fan. I've had arguments that he may be the top quarterback in the country before and that he could actually possibly be the number one quarterback in next year's draft, depending on how he plays. And uh, after this week, I feel uh, even better about that prediction. Either. Marty? Yeah, I'm with you on Corral. I'm very high, not just on him, but also on Ole Miss. Um, you know, when we did our uh, weekend recap episode this past Sunday, I said I think Ole Miss has the potential to be the third best team in the SEC. I still stand by that. Um, I firmly believe Ole Miss is going to beat somebody this year that they probably shouldn't beat, whether that's Texas A&M. Maybe they get Alabama. You know, Saban has had a lot of problems with Ole Miss in the past, especially when they've had quarterbacks like this. I do think Ole Miss is going to have a terrific season, and I think Matt Corral is a big reason why. You know, I wouldn't be stunned to see the Rebels really come out this year and surprise some people and win nine games. Yeah. Anthony? Yeah, this Ole Miss offense is fun to watch, man. They're they're just really explosive. Um, I love watching Matt Corral. I agree with you that I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country, especially after uh, Sam Howell and Rattler didn't exactly have the best games in week one. It's very easy to see Matt Corral taking that mantle of one of the better quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the country. I think those two will rebound and, and be right in that conversation, but Corral definitely makes a case after week one. And uh, Ole Miss just took it to Louisville in that game. Um, it was never a contest. Um, yeah, this Ole Miss team is going to be fun to watch, and, and that offense is going to put up a lot of points, and they're going to give a lot of SEC teams trouble this year. All right, and then I guess with that, we'll move on into week two. Uh, we'll just go through the top 25 games in order of how they'll be played, uh, make our uh, predictions here uh, if necessary against the spread. Some of these won't have spread yet uh but we will uh just go through them and um uh, it shouldn't take long this week considering the slate of games and we'll start off on friday night here uh 7:30 on espn2 coastal carolina host kansas coastal carolina a 25 point favorite here uh the jayhawks got their first one of the season last week um and that may be their only one of the season because i don't think they're gonna win this one guys uh, we I think we're all going to have Coastal Carolina win this one. Uh, so will Coastal Carolina cover the 25-point uh, margin? I'm going to say they win, they win by four-plus scores. So, yes. Um, uh, Anthony, Marty won last time, so you're up. Yeah, uh, real quick, I'm going to say Coastal Carolina covers in this one. Um, Kansas got their feel-good story last week, and now it's back to reality. Yeah, I hope Kansas enjoyed that victory last week because that's the last one they're going to have, at least till 2022. But good on the Jayhawks for managing to not go 0-12 this season. Easy enough. Uh, let's head into Saturday then. Uh, 12 o'clock, the game of the week. Uh, Ohio State hosts Oregon on Fox uh, in the uh, horseshoe. Uh, Ohio State a 14.5-point favorite here. Uh, the Buckeyes coming off a solid win over 
Minnesota last week. Uh, Oregon, on the other hand, struggled a little bit with Fresno State, but was able to pull it out in the end. Uh, but there's still questions about that Oregon offense and defense. Really, questions all around about Oregon. Ohio State, the defense isn't going to be spectacular, but that offense should be uh, good enough to win most games this year by themselves. Um, do any of you have Ohio State losing this game? And uh, if not, will Ohio State cover that 14.5-point spread? Uh, Marty, we'll start with you. Yeah, I think the Buckeyes cover the spread. Um, you know, we talked about this a little bit before going into the air. This could be one of those games that's close, but at the same time, you never feel like Ohio State's really in danger of losing, especially if Kayvon Thibodeau is not able to play, which right now his status seems to be up in the air, battling an injury for Oregon. Um, you know, Oregon, the quarterback play just isn't good enough, especially with Anthony Brown in there. I love Joe Moorhead. I think we all do. I think he's a terrific mind. I think he's one of the best offense coordinators in, in football. But I do wonder how much Mario Cristobal potentially holds that offense back. Um, yeah, I think the Buckeyes at home in Columbus, first game in the horseshoe with fans and however long. I think they come out. I think they beat Oregon. I think they cover the spread in the process. Anthony? 100% agree with Marty on this one. Oregon just didn't show me anything last week to make me think that they're going to be able to go into Columbus and hang with Ohio State for more than a half to two and a half quarters. Um, especially with Kayvon Thibodeau being day-to-day. Um, if he's not playing, Oregon has literally no chance to contain Ohio State's offense. Even if he is playing, I still don't think that they're going to they're gonna keep it relatively close going into the fourth. I think Ohio State covers in this one, and this is nothing more than the idea of a great game, more than it actually being a great game on the field. Yeah, I have Ohio State covering this one. I, I just think the Ohio State offense is going to be too much for that Oregon defense. Uh, to handle. I think if this game was played later in the season, we could be talking about a different story. But right now, based off everything I saw with that Oregon uh, Oregon team last week, I just I can't see them uh, pulling this one out on Saturday. So I'm going to take Ohio State to win and cover. And that takes us into uh, our next game. Uh, number 25, Auburn uh, takes on Alabama State. Um, do we even really need to talk about this one? Probably not. Um, so I guess with that, uh, is there anything you two are looking for in Auburn this week? Seeing that next week they, uh, travel to take on Penn state in the whiteout. Is there even a spread in this one? Like I can't even like, there's not, there's not as of right now, there'll probably be a spread that comes out sometime, uh, early Saturday or sometime Friday. All right, yeah, a part of me just kind of feels like Auburn's ranked 25 just to set up the Penn State-Auburn game to make it a top 25 matchup. But, um, I mean, Auburn's still a decent team. They took it to uh, play Akron last week. It's not exactly a, a prize for that. Yeah. But I expect it to be a similar score to what they did to Akron last week. Maybe they let off the gas a little bit, take the starters out a little early to prep for Penn State the week after. Marty? Yeah, like Anthony said, I, I could see Auburn calling off the dogs early, trying to keep the guys healthy for the whiteout in Happy Valley. Um, like, yeah, I mean, they, they blasted Akron last week, but I think there's a legitimate argument to be made that Akron is the worst team in the FBS. And I also wonder myself, like you said, Anthony, do they put Auburn in the top 25 just so we can promote that the whiteout, Penn State hosting a top 25 SEC team, 
Penn State, if nothing else, because of Iowa playing Iowa State, this we'll get to, is going to be in the top 10 going into that game. You know, I feel like a lot of that was done for PR reasons ahead of the whiteout next week. All right, then we'll move on because um, obviously I have Auburn winning, and I'm just looking to see uh, if Auburn uh, can be efficient in this game because if they can't be efficient against Alabama State, they're not going to be efficient against Penn State in the whiteout. Uh, with that, though, um, we go to 1 o'clock. We have number 13, Florida versus South Florida. This in Tampa Bay, so Florida on the road here. Um, Florida, 20.5-point favorite here. Uh, with Florida, you see last week they struggled against FAU, which you wouldn't necessarily expect them to. Uh, Emory Jones does have experience. I know he hasn't been starting the whole time, but he, he was an experienced quarterback. Didn't have the greatest games. Uh, that being said, I think USF is a worse program than uh, FAU is at this point. And I, I feel confident that Dan Mullen will have his team ready um, here in week two, uh, have a much more cleaner game out of the Gators, especially with uh, Alabama just around the corner. Now, you know it, Dylan. Um Oh, excuse me, sorry. FAU is a better team and a better program than USF right now. So for Florida to dispatch of them pretty easily, I think they'll do the same to USF. Um, if I were a Gator fan, the biggest thing I'd be watching for is Emory Jones, that passing game. I still think there's a lot more they need to get hammered out there. They need to be a lot more efficient, probably need to be more explosive if they're going to legitimately contend with Georgia in the SEC East this year. So while you expect a pretty easy win for the Gators, if I'm a Gator fan or someone who has money on Florida in the East this year or something like that, I am watching to see what this passing game can do and see if they can improve under Emory Jones this week. Yeah, I didn't really know um, too much about this USF team, but then I checked their uh, game last week and saw they lost 45 nothing to NC State. No disrespect to NC State. They're actually a solid team this year, but that told me everything I need to know about how this game's going to go. Um, I expect Florida to win this one pretty easily. And I kind of agree with Marty that it's going to be more about the storylines in the game than the actual score itself. And, uh, yeah, if you're a Florida fan, you should absolutely be watching how uh, Emory Jones's uh, passing game develops because if uh, they're going to want to do anything in um, the SEC East this year, they're going to need Emory Jones to step up and uh, be the quarterback that, uh, that can lead this team like Kyle Trask did last year. Agreed on all accounts. So let's move on. Uh, that takes us to uh, 2 p.m. window. We got Virginia Tech host of Middle Tennessee. The Hokies, of course, coming off the big upset victory over um, UNC last weekend. Uh, the Hokies are a 20-point favorite here. Uh, all in this game, all I'm looking for is the Hokies to play in a, a an efficient game, another word that I'm probably going to use a lot today, but an efficient game here. Uh, and they should win this one by halftime. And I'm going to have them cover this one. 20-point spread. Middle Tennessee has not nearly been the program they were a couple years ago. Last year was a struggle. And it looks like uh, this year they won't be too much better. But, yeah, give me uh, Virginia Tech to win this one and cover. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that as well. Uh, Virginia Tech should win this one easily. Last week should be a springboard for them after beating North Carolina in a tough matchup. 
Um, this For some reason, though, I just get these weird vibes about this game. I feel like Virginia Tech is going to let them hang around for a lot longer than they need to. But I still think Virginia Tech should, by the end, win this one pretty easily and cover. Maybe a backdoor cover. Who knows? But uh, I should they should win this one easily. Yeah, I could also see the Hokies, Lottie Mill, Tennessee State hang around. Um, you're coming off a very emotional home victory over a top 10 team to start the season. You have one of your two biggest rivals in West Virginia who have not played in a very long time on the schedule for next week. This just has trap game written all over it. And Dylan, I know we said before we came on the air, trap game was going to be a real, a real theme on this week's episode. This is definitely a trap game for the Hokies. That said, I think they get the job done. And, you know, looking ahead to their schedule, if you're Virginia Tech, you're probably looking at starting 4-0 before you have a bye week, and then you bring Notre Dame into Lane Stadium. You beat the Irish in Lane Stadium on October 9th. And man, this could be a real special season for the Hokies. Although I will stand by my prediction that if Virginia Tech comes out and wins 9 or 10 games this year, just a point, they lose for another job. All right, let's move on then. We go to 230. Number eight, Notre Dame hosts Toledo. Notre Dame just a 17-point favorite over Toledo, which for some may seem like a little bit of a surprise, but uh, it's worth knowing that Toledo is kind of that MAC team that nobody really wants to play because they're consistently one of the best teams in the MAC and one of the best G5 teams. They may not get the recognition of a, uh, a UCF, a Boise State, or Cincinnati, but don't uh, be fooled. Toledo is a very good team, and this is a team that can be – a Power 5 team or an independent team like Notre Dame uh, if uh, Notre Dame isn't careful. Um, that being said, uh, I like what Notre Dame has this season. Uh, I saw a lot of Jack Cohn that I really liked this week. So give me uh, Notre Dame to win this one outright, giving them to cover this one as well. Uh, yeah, like you said, Dylan, Toledo is that Mac team that nobody wants to play this season. Um, in my opinion, they are the best team in the MAC this year. And I think if you're Notre Dame, you know, I, I think the the possibility is there for me a little bit of a letdown coming off that overtime thriller against Florida State that we talked about earlier. And I could see them kind of him hawing around a little bit with Toledo, maybe getting out of there, something like a 31 to 14 type victory. Maybe Toledo hangs around in the early third quarter. But ultimately, if you're a Notre Dame fan, you, you got to feel good coming into this game after what you saw from Jack Cohn last week. And I think probably what you want to see most this week is a lot of the same out of Jack Cohn. Because if you can get consistently get that version of Jack Cohn, the Irish honestly might be a playoff contender again this year because I expect the running game to be good. I expect the defense to be good. I thought that passing game was what would hold them back. But if you're going to get that version of Jack Cohn, if you can survive a very brutal five-week stretch they have coming up here, they could him haw around and potentially sneak their way into the playoff again. Agreed, Anthony. Yeah, I agree with everything you guys have said so far. I um I don't have too much else to add, honestly, that hasn't already been said. I expect Notre Dame to win this game. Toledo is definitely a team you have to look out for. You can't just mess around with them. They will keep it closer than you want them to at that point if you do. But I Notre Dame just too talented, and the the skill level is just too great for what Toledo has compared to Notre Dame. And I expect Notre Dame to win this one and cover. All right, easy enough. We go to our next game. Another one that should be pretty easy here, though. Another good uh, Group of Five uh, opponent here. 
Uh, we got the number two Georgia Bulldogs hosting UAB. Georgia 24.5 point favor here. Uh, JT Daniels questionable, I believe, for this game with a core injury. Uh, does that change anything for you guys in, in terms of your thinking for this game? And I guess ultimately, uh, do you have uh, do you have Georgia winning this uh, or covering this one? I should say. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that Georgia's going to win this one. I think that's fairly obvious, regardless of who's at quarterback. But UAB is a very well coached team, and uh, this is a team that always comes ready to play. I would not be surprised if JT Daniels is out and maybe Georgia's – I don't know how Georgia's backups Georgia's backups are this year. I don't know if it's Brock Vandergriff or somebody else on that team. But it wouldn't shock me in the slightest if UAB, like, if, if Georgia didn't cover because they didn't have a consistent quarterback back there like JT Daniels. But I still expect Georgia to win this one very easily, and they most likely will cover at the end of the day. Yeah, I could see UAB hanging around. Again, the, the letdown factor is there for Georgia. Coming off the Clemson game, you don't know what JT Daniels' health is like. And honestly, if you're Kirby Smart, if JT Daniels is not 100%, there's no no sense of putting him in harm's way this weekend in a game you're going to win anyway. <clears throat> and UAB is a very good, a very well-coached football team. You know, they're, they're a, uh, one of those stories that's just – you can't overlook what – it's happened there. What Bill Clark has done. Bill Clark's one of the best coaches in the country. I do think UAB will make them fight for it, and they're not going to go down <clears throat> without a fight. They're going to go down swinging, but ultimately Georgia probably wins this thing by about twenty. All right, we move on uh, to number uh, five, Texas A&M traveling on the road to uh, Denver, Colorado at Empower Field. Uh, so a neutral side game here to take on the Colorado Buffalo. Um, so this is actually a, a cool game because it's a classic, a big ape matchup. So really throwing it back here. Uh, Texas A&M, a 17-point favorite here. Um, this is one where I – I mean, Texas A&M did win last week, but in the first half they did not look all too great against Kent State. Now Kent State's a good team, but that's a team that still that Texas A&M should pretty much run over. And they didn't do that, which gives me a couple reservations about them. Um, but I, I'm not sure Colorado at the same time is a team that's going to have enough to stay with uh, Texas A&M this one either. Uh, so I'm going to say this actually ends up a push for now, uh, but I, I'm pretty confident this Texas A&M does win this one comfortably. Yeah, I'll um, I will add that last week uh, Haynes King was a little bit sloppy with the ball, and I think that definitely played a part in that. Uh, three interceptions last week for him, but um, I think Texas A&M cleaned some things up this week, and I I would expect them to uh, cover in this one. I'm not too worried about last week's performance. They were probably holding back a little bit. Uh, I think they're going to cover this one. All right, and Marty had to. Uh dash quickly he'll be back uh if he wants to give a thoughts when he gets back he can but let's move on for now since there's more games to cover uh anthony quick one here number seven cincinnati host of murray state uh anything you're looking for out of cincinnati here or are you just looking for cincinnati to kind of uh show up get the job done and uh leave 
I'm mostly looking for Desmond Ritter to uh, continue that Heisman campaign of his. Uh, he's probably going to have another big game this week, probably something like four to five touchdowns, 300, 350 yards total. He's, he's, he's going to put up big numbers in this game. Cincinnati's going to put up big numbers. There's not even a line to report, which means that they're probably going to win by at least 50 points. So, yeah, that that's what I would expect. Cincinnati to come in, just dominate at home, and get an easy win. All right, uh, Marty. I'm assuming we want to talk about the uh, Penn State Ball State game. Uh, I'm not sure if Marty's back yet. Um, I'm, I'm just going to get rid of this. Marty, are you back yet? Yeah, just scrap that because you literally just muted yourself for like 35 seconds. Yeah, it's easy. Yeah, it's easy to get rid of that. I can just. Get rid of that easily. Just, just, um, yeah, just go. Okay. Just go figure out where you, you would like muted yourself because it's going to be a thirty seconds. We're gonna. I'm just, yeah. I, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna delete everything after you start talking. Okay, sounds good. All right, Dylan, cut everything up to now. Uh, all right, uh, Marty's still away, and I'm assuming he's going to want to talk a little bit about Penn State, Ball State. So we'll save that because the homers we are. Anthony, there's no need for us to really talk about all the FBS, FCS games, so let's just go quickly through the other ones. Alabama, Mercer, Clemson, South Carolina State, Oklahoma, Western Carolina, uh, Ole Miss versus Austin Pay, uh, and that's all the FBS, FCS games. I think we could really much say the same thing about everyone. We, we're looking for those ranked teams to come in, uh, show what they needed to show against an FCS opponent, Get their uh, starters out of there early. Get the backup saying, get them some playing time, and go on with their day. Right? Yeah, blow out, blow out, blow out, blow out. Uh, there's gonna be nothing special about any of those games. I expect each of those teams to win by like 45 points at the least. Um, kind of a joke that these teams can even schedule those opponents, but I understand why they do it. And I just think of the money incentive that those teams get to get their asses kicked. So, fair enough. Quickly, some other uh, games that are not interesting this week um, that are on the schedule. Um, we got Eastern Michigan going to Madison against the Badgers who are coming off that loss to Penn State, of course. Uh, Badgers are a 26-point favorite, Anthony, here. Will the Badgers cover, yes or no? I think the Badgers cover. Um, obviously coming off a little bit of a letdown last week, but I think they're going to come out um, wanting to – Wanting to go for the kill this game. I expect them to win this one by at least 30 points. And uh, I think Graham Mertz is going to have a little bit of a bounce back game, have a decent day at quarterback. Definitely a definitely an, uh, a big a potential for a big bounce back game for Wisconsin. Like you said, um, North Carolina hosts Georgia State. North Carolina, our team coming off a disappointing loss in week one, of course, to Virginia Tech. They're a 
Um, 26 point favorite here over Georgia State. Uh, I'm going to say that they cover this one as well. I think Sam Hale has a big bounce back game. And I think that entire, uh, really, UNC offense has a nice bounce back game. So give me UNC to cover here. Uh, do you concur? Yeah, Georgia State coming off a, a big loss to Army last week. Army's a good team, don't get me wrong. But if they can beat Georgia State by 33, I think North Carolina can do the exact same thing. Sam Howell obviously had a really, really bad game last week. Three interceptions, only one touchdown. The whole offense looked really sluggish except for Josh Downs. Um, I think UNC, like you said, has a bounce-back game on offense, and they win this game very comfortably, kind of like Wisconsin. Similar type of games, I think, for both teams. And then I think the only other non-interesting game uh, is um, Arizona State hosting UNLV. Arizona State, a 33.5-point favorite here. Uh, UNLV is one of the worst teams in the country uh, on a regular basis, and I think uh, that's probably going to be the case again here. And uh, so give me Arizona State to win this one comfortably, and I'll say they even win this one uh, and cover. Yeah, uh, no disrespect to the fighting Tate Martells of UNLV, but uh, I I would not expect anything relevant out of UNLV, not just this game, but also this season. I think they got a good head coach, um, but that's going to take some time to, to build that team up to make them decent. Arizona State should win this one very comfortably. I expect a big game out of my boy Jalen Daniels. Really, really like him as a quarterback, as you guys all know. All right, that's all the non-interesting, really, top 25 games and obviously the FCS-FBS matchups. Uh, Now we get to enter some of the funner games. Uh, we'll, We'll start with what I think actually may end up being the game of the week here, and that is Iowa versus Iowa State. Uh, Iowa State actually just a three-point favorite here. Uh, But I actually favor the Hawkeyes in this one, Anthony. Uh, Are you on the Hawkeyes side here or are you on the Cyclone side? I think after last week, I don't know how you cannot pick Iowa in this game. They absolutely took it to Indiana. Didn't even give them a chance. Picked off uh, Michael Penix Jr. three times. That offense looked really, really good. And Iowa State struggled last week against the Northern Iowa team, an FCS program. They're a good FCS program. But, you know, you expect Iowa State at home to win that game by more than six points and score more than 16 points in total. So I think we'll see a much better Iowa State team in this game. I feel like a part of that, a part of me feels like they were definitely looking ahead to this game, this matchup, and they weren't really focused on the team they were playing. But I still think that this Iowa team looks really, really good. And if Iowa wins this game with any sort of comfort, I I will probably pick them to win the Big Ten West this year because they they looked really good last week, and that sticks in my head. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree with that statement. Uh, and the, it's actually a four and a half point uh, margin or spread here in favor of uh, Iowa State, and that's that's just too much for me. I'm a I, I'm a big fan of this Cyclones team, have been all season, uh, not Cyclones, a uh, big fan of this Hawkeyes team uh, and have been all preseason. So really hoping, uh, not hoping, but uh, it would be nice to see them prove me right here this week and take home a victory against Iowa State. Not that I have anything against Iowa State, but like you said, this Iowa State team, you think would have showed you a little bit more against Northern Iowa. And if you can't beat Northern Iowa, Iowa you're going to have a hard time beating 
a Hawkeyes team that just clobbered a pretty decent Indiana team. No, for sure. I completely agree with you on that. Um, like you said, I think this could be the game of the week. I have this in my head as the game of the week. I know Ohio State-Oregon's out there, but like we said before, I just don't think that game's going to be as close as people think. And I think this game could be a nail-biter up to the end. I'm, I'm still high on Iowa State. I really just think that they were looking ahead to this game. So if they don't show me something this week, then I think they could end up being a dud the rest of the year. But, you know, Matt Campbell's still a damn good coach, and he's going to have his boys ready to play at home. So I, I think this is going to be a really fun game. I'm actually surprised this was not the night game, honestly. The fact that this is a 4.30 game is kind of criminal. This should be a primetime slot on Saturday night. Do you what, – what's your official score pres, prediction here or uh, winner here? I've got this game being relatively defensive in, in nature, but I'm going to go – I'm going to go 23-20 Iowa. 23-20 Iowa. So you have Iowa obviously covering and winning outright here. And that's what I'm going to actually pick as well. I think uh, the Hawkeyes are the better team here. And I think uh, that they have the upper hand here, including – um, uh, or I should say, despite being on the road at uh, Jack Trice Stadium here uh, this week, so give me uh, give me the uh, Hawkeyes here to cover and win outright. All right, uh, at seven o'clock, uh, make sure I'm not missing. Nope, at seven o'clock, we got number fifteen Texas uh, traveling to Fayetteville to take on Arkansas. Arkansas struggled with Rice in Week One, which wouldn't exactly be what you would expect uh, out of that Arkansas team based off what we saw last year. Texas, on the other hand, really took care of a good Louisiana program. Um, I, I'm not going to go too deep in this one. Um, I like Texas in this game. I like them to cover. Uh, kind of like with Iowa State, I expected more of Arkansas last week, and I now have my reservations about the Razorbacks because of that performance last week. I know it's only one week, but – uh, it, it's hard for that to get out of my mind, especially when you're going up against a much more talented Texas team and a Texas team that actually may for once be well coached. This for me feels like a weird Texas type of letdown game. I don't think they it lose. Does. I don't think they lose because I just feel like they're a much better coach team. Hudson card looked really good last week, but John Robinson's probably going to have another hundred yard game against Arkansas. But I expect this Arkansas team at home to come ready to play. I think they're going to keep this game really close. It wouldn't surprise me if they cover. Um, but regardless of if they do or not, I think they're going to make Texas sweat this one out to the very end. And um, I still think that Texas will pull it out. But it's going to be a lot closer than people than uh, Longhorn fans want it to be. And I, I think they're definitely going to uh, be sweating this one out through the fourth quarter. Agreed. And I, I would like to say that in future weeks, we will go a little bit more in depth. Uh, but uh, we are currently recording this at uh, 11 o'clock on Wednesday night. Uh, and just a little bit of time constraint here. So we're trying to get this one in rather quick. Uh, also at 7 p.m., Anthony, a little bit of a, a fun game here, in my opinion. Number 22, Miami host Appalachian State. The Mountaineers are always a team that you have to put opposing teams on upset watch with. That being said, I think Miami has a salty taste in their mouth from that ass kicking they got from Alabama. They're going to come out and they're going to be ready to play in this one. I think App State gives them a game, but I think Miami is going to win this one. And I think they win 
probably by 10 to 14 points covering that nine point spread. Part of me wants to pick App State so bad in this game outright just because we've seen them do this to better teams before. We've seen them pull upsets like this. I think they're a really good team. I'm not going to do it, but a part of me wants to. And if they do end up somehow winning this game, I'm going to be really mad at myself that I didn't pick them outright. But I, I, I it wouldn't shock me. It would not shock me at all. It really wouldn't shock. They've done this so many times to so many teams. Um, they come in. If I'm a if if I'm a, a power five program, the last team I want to play from the group of five is Appalachian State because they they just pull upsets like this regularly. It's just something that they do every or at least every few years, or at least they keep it close and they make your team sweat. Um, but I think Miami's going to win, but I actually don't think they're going to cover. Um, I think it's it's just going to be a really close game, and App State's going to make them scratch and claw for everything they get. And I think it's just going to Miami's going to survive this game, not even going to win it. All right, uh, that checks off that game. Uh, a couple of quick games we could talk about. Number twenty-one, Utah host. Uh, sorry, travels to Provo. Take on uh, BYU. Utah seven-point favorite here. Um, Utah struggled a little bit early last week, um, but looked strong in the second half. Uh, BYU, I honestly don't even know who they played last week. Uh, let me check. They played BYU Arizona. played Arizona. That's right. BYU beat Arizona. Obviously, BYU no longer has Zach Wilson at quarterback. Utah does have Charlie Brewer at quarterback here. Um I think this is going to be uh, – I, I do not think Utah covers this one, but I do think that uh, Utah will win this one. And with Marty back, Marty, we're going to throw you right on the spot. Any thoughts on Utah versus BYU? Real quick, what's the spread? Uh, Utah minus seven. I think Utah covers, but I don't think it's a guarantee. Um, BYU obviously lost a lot from last year, but that's still a very well-coached football team. Never an easy program to dispatch of. Um, I think it's a game where Utah probably covers, but they anyone who takes takes Utah on the points probably sweating it out until the end. You know what? Someone's got to pick an upset somewhere. Uh, we have not picked a single upset as a group yet. I'm going to say that BYU at home upsets number 21 Utah, wins this game outright. There's got to be an upset somewhere this week, right? I mean, Washington lost to freaking Montana last week. So if Washington can lose to Montana, Utah can lose to BYU on the road. So I'm going to go with BYU to win. All right, and Marty, I guess uh... – if you have any, uh, I'll go through the ones me and uh, Anthony covered you, and you can give your prediction here. Um, so Iowa versus Iowa State. Iowa State, of course, a four-and-a-half-point favorite here. Uh, any quick thought on it, and who do you have winning and covering? That's my upset. Give me the Hawkeye Sunday morning when that opened up with Iowa as a four-point underdog. I could not get onto DraftKings fast enough to bet that Iowa would cover the points in that one. I think Iowa is a better team than Iowa State. I don't think Iowa State is top 10 team. I think the Hawkeyes win that game, and they might win it easier than people are expecting. All right. What about uh, Texas traveling to Fayetteville to take on the Razorbacks? Longhorns is a seven-point favorite here. Give me Texas in the points. I think Sam Pittman did a great job with Arkansas last year, but I think Arkansas last year, similar to what we might see from Illinois this year, a very veteran team. 
that caused year one under new coach to make it seem like it's not as big of a rebuild as it actually is. So give me the Longhorns and the points. And then uh, Miami hosts Appalachian State. Uh, the Hurricanes are a nine-point favorite. Uh, will Appalachian State pull, uh, well, Appalachian State stuff? Miami better be careful. You know, coming off of that Alabama game, we've seen it a lot in the past. Teams come off a game against Alabama, beat up and rugged and worn down and losing in the following week. Appalachian State is never an easy out. If Miami is not careful, uh, the Mountaineers could easily win that game. and It would not be a surprise, even if Miami wins, to see Appalachian State cover the spread. All right, well, we saved the Penn State Ball State game, even though this isn't anywhere near an important game. It should be an easy one. We saved it, so you could also talk about it. Uh, Penn State, 22.5 point favorite here. Um, is there any chance Ball State keeps this one close in your mind? Uh, Marty, and then we'll go to you, Anthony. To me, it wouldn't be a shocker to see Ball State keep this close again. Trap game, you're coming off a emotional, hard-fought, one of the best road wins of the James Franklin era against the top 12 Wisconsin team last week in Madison. You have Auburn and the whiteout looming. Combine that with Ball State being the defending MAC champions to bring a lot back, including a experienced, talented quarterback. I would not be surprised at all to see Ball State hang around for the majority of this game, cause a lot of angst amongst Nittany Lion fans, probably ourselves included. Um, I think Penn State ultimately wins. I don't necessarily know if they cover. I definitely could see this being like a 34-14, to 35-17 type of game. Again, one of those where you never really feel like Penn State's in danger of losing, but they're just never really able to put them away. But ultimately, I think the Nittany Lions get out of the victory and find themselves a 2-0 when Auburn comes to town next week. Uh, Anthony? Yeah, I'm really superstitious, so when you guys go on and say easy game, it makes me want to punch you both in the face. So, <laughs> But um, this, on paper, this should be a game that Penn State has no trouble winning. But this is a good Ball State team. Like Marty said, they've got a lot of talent coming back, a lot of experience, and they've got a good quarterback. They won the MAC last year. This is a game that if Penn State takes it for granted or sleeps on Ball State at all, Ball State's going to keep it a lot closer than they'd like it to be, and they're going to have to come – you know, they're going to have to turn it on late. Um, I think Penn State's defense is phenomenal. Um, I, I don't think Ball State's going to get over 20 points on uh, on Penn State's defense. But, um, yeah, no, this Penn State team better come out ready to play and get ready to dominate this team because if they don't, Ball State's going to hang around. All right, the last uh, – right, well, I didn't get my prediction. Uh, you guys – one, I don't know why I let you guys go before me because we all share like the same philosophies in college football wise and all have the same thought process. So you all just steal everything I want to say anyway. So yeah, uh, I got Penn State winning and covering. Um, I think I actually think Sean Clifford has a really good day. Uh, and yeah, um, but uh, the last not the last top twenty five game we haven't talked about. Uh, USC hosts Stanford. The Trojans are a seventeen point favorite. Stanford's a really bad team, uh, like really, really bad. Um, USC uh, could be the Pac-12 favorite, depending on you ask right now. Um, so give me the Trojans really here to win and cover this one, uh, unless this is like uh, – but oh God, what, what, what year was that when Stanford pulled the crazy upset over USC? 
back in the Carroll days. So I don't know. But uh, yeah, give me give me USC. It was 2007. Yeah, I think uh, they were. I, if I remember correctly, they were the largest underdogs to ever win a college football game. I think they were like 42, 41 and a half point dogs, something like that. Um, that Stanford team, I think, literally finished like three and nine, but they went into into the Coliseum and beat USC by one. Yeah, unless we have a repeat of that, uh, which it wouldn't even be to that level. Uh, give me the Trojans here to roll and cover. Uh, whoever wants to go next, uh, quick thoughts on USC Stanford. I just have a quick thought on something you said earlier, Dylan. The reason why we go before you is because we're better at talking than you are. So it comes off the tongue a lot smoother. But um... this is my second <laughs> podcast tonight, so thank you. But no, in all seriousness, I agree. Um, I think that USC should win this one pretty easily. Uh, my boy Keen Slovis, uh, for anybody who's been listening to this podcast for a while, knows I absolutely love Keaton Slovis. And uh, the Stanford team, like you said, is on the rebuild. I would expect USC at home to win this game fairly easily. Probably going to cover in the process as well. Marty? Yeah, I think USC covers easily. This is a terrible Stanford team. Um, this honestly might be the worst Stanford team since that 2007 Stanford team. Um, you know, Stanford's been – Stanford fans have really been spoiled between the Harbaugh years and much of the David Shaw era and how well you have done with Andy Luck and, and, and Kevin Hogan and just all the quarterback success they've had. But, you know, the, this, this Stanford team is more of, I think, what you expect from Stanford, not the Stanford we got from, like, 2008 through, what, 2015, 16-ish. Um, yeah, Stanford stinks. I think USC, not only are they a good team, I think Clay Helton knows he's coaching for his job this season. I think the Trojans win this one pretty easily. All right, well, that's all the top 25 games for this week. Uh, Marty, uh, since you did have to uh, miss a portion, is there any quick thoughts you have on any of the top 25 games or any additional thoughts you had that you wanted to get out there? No, I think the only other thing I really be watching this weekend, non-top 25-wise, um, Michigan-Washington, very intriguing game. Uh, coming into the season, I had Washington winning the Pac-12. I had them going to the big house and beating Michigan. After last week, he's seen the John Donovan effect just in full force. I have no confidence in the Huskies whatsoever. Um, at the same time, don't have a lot of confidence in that Michigan offense. Um, you know, I guess I probably would be wrong for me not to give a shout-out to Blake Corum, the freshman running back from Michigan. He's actually his, – his cousin is one of my son's best friends, so that's pretty cool. So hopefully he can continue to have a good season this year for the, for the Wolverines. But – um yeah, I think Michigan and Washington be a very intriguing matchup to watch. Washington obviously be looking to bounce back and prove last week was a fluke. Michigan be looking to prove that their offensive performance last week was not a fluke. So I, I believe that is actually the primetime game on ABC this week too. So I think that'll be one of the big uh, one of the big games to watch this week in terms of non top twenty five action. Uh, I highly agree with that uh, statement. Uh, I I have a big feeling that Michigan's going to win that one big. Uh, Jim Harbaugh hasn't had a big win in primetime in quite some time. And I know Washington's coming off a loss to Montana last week, but this would still qualify as a big win. Uh, so uh, I think Michigan's in a really good spot. Anthony, uh, any thoughts on Michigan-Washington? 
No, no thoughts on any other football games, actually. I think Marty summed it up uh, really nicely. But I actually want to talk about something real quick that I just saw on Twitter. Um, the Big 12 is in the news today. Um, That's for, true. According to 24-7 Sports, the Big 12 will, quote, rubber stamp invites for BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF this Friday to join the conference. And apparently Cincinnati... It's pretty much already all in on joining the Big 12. So the Big 12 uh, might be trying to uh, revive the conference a little bit with some of the top G5 schools. How do we feel about that? It's it's uh, the Big East all over again. I mean, it's it just it's trying to patch holes that, uh, I mean, you could try to patch, but it's just not going to work out. The Big 12, I, I think the Big 12 and eventually implodes over this. Uh, that That's my overall feelings. Marty? Yeah, I'm with you. Big East all over again. Um, speaking of the Big East all over again, you know, Boise State was a member of the Big East without ever actually playing a game in the Big East. Would have really stunned anybody if it happened with one of these schools. Um, let's say Cincinnati, for example, accepts a bid, and then the Big Ten comes calling. They're not going to say no to that. You know, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but – I could see a scenario where something like that unfolds. I still think the Big 12 winds up imploding and within five to six years no longer exists. Anthony, is that how you feel or do you feel the opposite? Do you think the Big 12 can possibly uh, keep itself around? I respect the hustle. (laughs) I respect the attempt to, uh, to try to keep the conference afloat. I mean... It would be interesting to see what would happen with those teams. I could see the appeal of wanting to do it. The Big 12 is still a Power 5 conference, and for those schools, I mean, it gives them an opportunity to legitimize their playoff chances. Um, But like you guys said, I I don't think that the Big 12 will be around in five years anyway. Uh, I think eventually it's going to implode. I I think the alliance of the Big 10, the Pac-12, and the ACC kind of was the death toll a little bit for the Big 12. Basically, all the other conferences are kind of leaving them to die at this point. Um, I respect the attempt, but I just I just don't necessarily think it's going to end well for the Big 12 at the end of the day. Agreed. And I actually had one other game that I just want to briefly mention as a game that I think could be sneaky good, and that's uh, Missouri uh, traveling to Kentucky. Wildcats are a five-point favorite here. Um, I, I just think it has a chance to be a really solid game. And uh, I don't know who's going to win. I kind of like Missouri, but uh, we'll, we'll have to see. But I think it's going to be a sneaky good game. Any other college football thoughts, or should we wrap it up? Did you ever, do you guys ever talk about Bishop Sycamore? We did not. <laughs> in, uh, in 30 seconds or less, give your thoughts on Bishop Sycamore. Uh, I respect the hustle. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, that I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, how does how does it get that far? I don't even know at this point what's truth and what's just made up lies. It's just whatever whatever is the truth. It's just so funny. I can't believe that they snuck their way into a primetime game with one of the best high school, the best high school team in the country, and thought they would get away with it. That's the thing. Like everybody's been talking about, like ESPN or 
whoever does the because uh, ESPN goes through somebody to get these games or and stuff. But what to say about IMG accepting to the the game from bishops? I mean, it's what does it say about every top school in the country? Because like, there's like their schedule is filled with ranked high school teams. Like, there's I think there's a really good team from Texas on their schedule. Like. They're yeah. they're consistently playing really good high school teams, and like nobody questioned the legitimacy of this school. That people in Columbus literally say, "Yeah, we didn't know this school even existed." Like that—that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, Marty. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say I know after this recent nonsense, they were scheduled to play DeMatha Catholic out of Hyattsville, Maryland, which. Anyone who follows recruiting knows DeMatha is an absolute national powerhouse, not just on the East Coast. But DeMatha came out and canceled that game. So, like like you said, Anthony, how, how are more schools not realizing this and getting out of this? And, you know, even ESPN, like, <clears throat> that game against IMG, it, it takes a Google search to, to figure this stuff out. Like, somebody from that ESPN broadcast should have been made aware of this well before that game ever started. Absolutely, 100% agree. And, I mean, like, even the quarterback was, like, he originally graduated high school, like, two years ago. He reclassified, like, three, like, five years somehow. It's, it's, it's insane. Yeah, like That's all I got. Apparently the coach has, like, an arrest warrant or something like that. Like, Yep, saw that. I mean, <laughs> it it's a complete, I We need a thirty for thirty. Uh, yeah. We need a thirty. For it leaves me speechless. Well, like, what is if, the correct? If there's, if there's never a thirty for thirty on this, I'm going to be so pissed off. Like, this is the uh, this is like thirty for thirty meets Jason Brown. This is the kind of thing college football fans should be dreaming of. It's just meant to be. Uh, I forgot about him. But uh, yeah, enough for this tomfoolery. Let's end it here. Uh, thanks everybody for listening to another episode of the CFB 365 podcast. Uh, we'll be back at it next week, uh, of course, with a recap of all our week two action. I'll be at the Penn State Ball State game on uh, Saturday. Uh, these two will be watching football from the enjoyment of their homes, so I'm gonna have to rely on them to carry me through the recap. But uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys real soon. Enjoy another weekend of college football, enjoy the start of the NFL season, and we'll talk to you guys real soon.